Welcome to the Calvary Couples Podcast. This is Pastor Josh, and we are going to be continuing our series here in 1 Corinthians, and we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today. And the title of the lesson we're going to focus in is entitled, Do Your Part. I think in any organization, whether it's in your workplace or within your family or within your church, there's something special about when every uh, member of that organization is actively engaged in in their role and really um, working at a at a high level, and we're going to see how the church really isn't any different, that God, through the Holy Spirit, gifts each individual uh, to um, really do His kingdom work uh, through the church and through um, you as an individual, as well as your families, uh, just to see the kingdom of God furthered, and He gifts us with those uh, different purposes. So we're going to be here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll walk through it together, and you may be a person listening saying, hey, I, I know what my spiritual gift is, I know how God is using that in my life, and I encourage you, keep keep honing that, keep using that. You may be on the other side of the spectrum and say, this is brand new, this is a brand new um, a thought or a brand new information for me, and it's something that I'm really interested in, and I want to uh, learn more about it. So Hopefully this will be good in both those areas. It'll help reinforce some things you may already know. It may also reveal some new things to you that you might find very helpful as you uh, pursue the work for the kingdom of God. So we're going to kind of dig in here. Having dealt with many of the problems within the Corinthian congregation, which we've addressed in previous lessons, Paul could now address them regarding their service to Christ. If they were not careful, they could become prideful and even use their spiritual gifts as an opportunity to gloat or to be seen by others. And we see that happening here in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. But the spiritual gifts, however, were intended to glorify God, not the user of the gift. And each believer had been gifted to play a unique role in the body of Christ. Regardless of ethnicity or social status, every person had a unique role and a unique gift for the purpose of the body of Christ. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 through 11, we're going to hone in on this um, very important point, and that is that every believer has been given a spiritual gift by the Holy Spirit. Never fall into the lie of the devil that says that you have no value, you have no purpose, just sit there, be quiet, don't be involved, because the reason for that is, and we'll get into it, is that God has gifted every person with a specific gift and a specific purpose. And I think that lets us realize in some way the love of God and how much he loves and cares for us, that he has gifted even you and I uniquely for his purposes. So throughout 1 Corinthians, Paul responded to questions and situations brought to his attention. And you see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 11, 5 verse 1, 7 verse 1. He's addressing questions the church has sent to him, and he's writing this letter to answer them. So in chapter 12, he transitions to the topic of spiritual gifts, and the expression now concerning, or now about, that we read in verse 1, he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, gifts, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant. So he's trying to answer their questions. It indicates that the Corinthians believers had asked him about these gifts, so they must have known something about it. So the apostle indicated that the Corinthian church did not lack any spiritual gift. And we gather from this text, however, that they were not using their spiritual endowments properly, and that further wisdom and instruction were needed. So in spite of this, you see the expression that Paul writes as his brothers or brethren in verse 1 reminds the reader that these were believers that the, the apostle was addressing. This isn't written to unbelievers, this is written to the church. So by definition, this is an important definition to hone in on, that spiritual gifts are the gracious endowment given to believers by the Holy Spirit to enable them to perform service for the building of the church and the kingdom of God. It was important for the Corinthians to know where these gifts came from and how they were supposed to be used. So at an initial glance, verse 2 seems to be out of place. We read it, it says, Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols even as they were led, meaning idols that couldn't speak. But why would Paul make reference to the believers' former idolatry when speaking to them about their spiritual gifts? 
And Bible scholars, they differ on this, but here's a couple of ideas. First, it may be that he was reminding them of their lack of spiritual knowledge. Before the former, Gentiles in dire need of the teaching that the apostle was about to provide. Second, and maybe more likely, is the idea that Paul could be referring to their prior heathen worship, or even the moments of demonic spiritual ecstasy, and the supernatural influence wrapped up in their former lifestyle. They could work themselves up into this emotional frenzy. In contrast, now to Christian teaching, Paul was saying that they, they need to be aware of their proper spiritual gifts, that it isn't some kind of emotional frenzy that they're working themselves into, that the spiritual gift is endowed by and used with the empowering of the Spirit of God for a specific purpose, and I might add, an orderly purpose. So from verse 3, the reader's reminded that the Spirit who gives us gifts also leads us to identify with Jesus and claim Him as Lord. Paul says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. In fact, the evidence of having God's Spirit is a confession that Jesus is Lord. It is this same Spirit who endows the believer with the gifts outlined in the remainder of the chapter that we will read about in verse 4. There are various gifts, but all of them originate by the same Spirit. Those gifts lead to a variety of ways to serve and different kind of good works. All this variety, however, comes from the one and same God. So there is unity within this diversity. What's neat about this, as we'll dig into here in verses 5, 6, and 7, is that the Greek term for varieties or diversities in verse 4 could also be rendered as distributions. In the original language, the term gifts is the same or similar to grace and is often referred to as a gift of grace or favor received without merit. So it's something that we don't deserve, that we are given. That is really the definition of grace. It's something that we have not earned, that God graciously gives to us. In verses 4 through 6, there's a Trinitarian emphasis, which is really fascinating. In verse 4, you see that he talks about the same Spirit. In verse 5, he talks about the same Lord. And in verse 6, he talks about the same God. So, while each believer has received his own distribution of gifting, it's important to always keep in mind that the ultimate source of this gifting is God. And it is God whom the Spirit glorifies through these distributions. The believer's gifts were not for their own benefit, but instead were for the common good of all. In verse 7, Paul says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all, or profit for everyone. Apparently, this kind of alludes to the fact that some within the church were using their gifts selfishly, and this principle needed to be grasped. So, from verses 8 to 11, Paul lists specific gifts, And it's important to understand that this list may not be exhaustive or fully comprehensive. There's other texts in the New Testament that give us uh, more light and more added material. But it is a descriptive of the specific gifts possessed by the Christians in Corinth. So here are some definitions of the gifting um, that, again, aren't totally exhaustive, but may be helpful in your understanding of the spiritual gifts and some of the things that we read about in verses 8 through 11. So there's wisdom. Well, what is wisdom? Wisdom is the perception of doctrinal truth. The revelation of a wise course of action that's given to someone to be communicated to the church. There's another gift of knowledge, which is a little bit different from wisdom. And knowledge is the understanding of as much scripture as possible and the ability to apply doctrinal truth to life. And I want to be clear when we go through these that it's not to say that you're only given one area of a spiritual gifting. You may find a confluence of multiple things, but there may be certain emphases and strengths that you have in a certain area, and it's good to be mindful that these are not talents. These are not, um, uh, these gifts are specifically given by the Spirit of God, and there's something that didn't exist prior to your salvation in Christ. They may complement 
some talents that you had or some strengths that you had. Um, it's part of your personality and the human nature of who you are, but they didn't exist prior to the Spirit of God indwelling you. That's what separates these spiritual giftings from other talents and services that we use for the church. So we've talked about wisdom, talked about knowledge. The third one here is faith. Now this is not saving faith. Instead, it's the ability to trust God to work beyond the human capabilities of people. So to see things on a bigger, greater scale of what God's capable of rather than what our resources are capable of. Another thing is the gift of healing. Now, this is a supernatural ability to restore health. And one of the sign gifts that appears to have been possessed by the apostles during the establishment of the church. It's also important to note that all of these gifts don't necessarily transcend every age. They may have been used for certain purposes, in this case, during the first century church, um, for the use of uh, sign gifts to promote the gospel. Another thing that falls along this line is miracles. Those were enabled by God to perform mighty deeds that witnesses recognized to be of supernatural origin and means, another sign gift that was possessed by the apostles. Another one here is prophecy. And this is the gift of proclaiming the word of God boldly, a gift manifested in teaching and preaching. This gift not only builds up the body, but it also leads to the conviction of sin. Another gift mentioned is the discerning of spirits, the ability to distinguish truth from error by judging whether the behavior or teaching is from God, Satan, human error, or human power. Then there's another one that is the various kinds of tongues, and these next two will kind of complement one another. This is the supernatural gift and ability to speak in a language not previously learned, and here's why. So unbelievers can hear God's message in their own language, or so that the body or the church could be edified. And then what kind of comes hand in hand with that is the interpretation of tongues, which is the ability to translate an unlearned known language, namely for the person that has exercised the gift of speaking in tongues. Again, as I mentioned earlier, this is not a comprehensive list. There's other texts that you uh, should and look in study, and that is Romans 12, 4 through 8, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, and 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 will also help shed some more light on these different spiritual giftings. So what's the takeaway for us? Well, that is to discover the spiritual gifts the Holy Spirit has given you. And again, you may already be aware of what this is. I encourage you to continue to hone that gift and look for opportunity to exercise it. If this is a brand new uh, thing for you, begin to study. Ask the Holy Spirit of God to show you what are the strengths that he has gifted you with so that you can edify the church. So what does what role does the Holy Spirit play in spiritual gifts? Well, we can kind of rehearse this. It says that he, dist- he distributes them according to his will and he empowers the use of those gifts. Secondly, how can believers discover which gifts they have received and begin to use them? Well, here's some opportunities. You can discuss it with the pastor or other church leaders, people that have uh, wisdom and influence in your life. You can take a spiritual gift assessment. You know, sometimes these things can seem a little bit hokey, but there's some really good ones out there that can be very useful tools to at least set you on the right path um, to continue to discover your spiritual gifting. You can try various areas of service to see what is a good fit and see where you fit in well and where your talents can be used. And then practice, just simply practice, get involved, use your gifts, get involved, find places of service, and the Spirit of God will direct you. You'll never do wrong by getting involved in the service of the King and the Kingdom of God, and God will direct your paths, and you will learn and glean so much from those opportunities. So when we come back, we're going to look at every believer has an important role in the body of Christ. First, we have have stated the truth from the scriptures that everybody has a spiritual gift. Those that know Christ as Savior have been gifted this spiritual gift. So now we have to discuss what is our role in the body of Christ. Welcome back as we continue here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This next section we'll look into verses 12 through verse 31. 
It's important to realize that every believer does have an important role in the body of Christ. Paul is going to begin to use these pretty uh, fascinating illustrations to explain why every member is important. So in verse 12, Paul reminded the reader that the body is a unit and that the body has many parts and that all the parts of the body work together as one. So each member of the body of Christ of the church is vitally important. You know, after all, it was by one spirit that everyone, whether Jew or Greek, they were baptized into one body. We read that in verse 13. So all believers experience their ministry of the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion. Nothing illustrates this truth any better than the human body. And Paul uses the human body as a fascinating illustration for how the body of Christ functions. He tells us that the body parts perform unique functions and are each important to the body. In fact, if the body is to function properly, varied body parts are necessary. And he talks about all these different various parts of the body from verses 14 through 20. And so this is also how it works with the church. The members have different gifts, but they all depend on each other. They serve the body in many ways. Each has a role that is indispensable for a healthy and fully functioning church. No part of the body will function at its its highest level without other parts of the body. The body of Christ is pictured as unity that depends on diversity. And it depends on each one functioning in a unique role. It was imperative for the Corinthian believers to focus on unity rather than their diversity. And there was a very diverse congregation. But each one were baptized in the same spirit that Paul mentions in verse 13. And unique gifts and individuals are to be celebrated. So in verse 21, Paul reminds the reader to never regard other believers as unnecessary within the body. Everyone is vitally important and equally valuable. Instead, the more prominent members should celebrate and encourage the others. They have a responsibility to bring others along. The less glamorous gifts are also vital, and believers possessing them should serve with pride, knowing that they are where the Spirit wants them. This is the most significant point. Are you where the Spirit wants you? In the same way that certain parts of the human body are given attention by clothing or cosmetics, so those within the church who are often deemed less needed should be given greater attention by other members of the body of Christ. To read in verse 24. The Lord's desire is reiterated in verse 25 as the Apostle reminded the Corinthian believers that they must never be divided, but instead should be characterized by equal concern for all. When a local body of believers functions in this way, it shares both pain and joy, suffering together when necessary, but also rejoicing together whenever possible. Verse 26, Paul says, And when one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or when one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. So Paul reminded the Corinthians that each of them functioned as a significant part of the body in verse 27. The fact that he mentions Christ specifically served to remind the Corinthians that it was Christ and his principles by which they should be living instead of the selfish, ungodly attitudes that had been characterizing them. So in the same way that God set body parts in place to accomplish their specific task, he set in the church specific roles and tasks. Verse 28, he gives some allusion to that. He says, And God set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, the gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, and on and on he goes. The verb in the middle voice in the Greek implying that these specific gifts set by him were for his own use or for God's own use. God put these gifts there and they're for God's own purposes. In this verse, Paul also pointed out that there is a priority list for gifts as he spoke of first, second, and third. Now, it's important to realize that this does not contradict what he said earlier about every gift bearing importance, since even some members of the human body serve more vital functions than others. For instance, think about your own body. Your heart is is a little bit more valuable than your finger in the sense that you could cut your finger off and still live. So there is some varying degrees of usefulness, but it, it also speaks to the fact that you 
can't have two hearts, right? So some of these giftings in the local body are necessary and are singular in some sense because um, of their importance. But if there were multiple of them, for instance, uh, prophecy, multiple prophets within the church can become quite a conflict and cause a lot of issues. So you'll find that some giftings are going to be more likely on a larger scale than other giftings, which would be more on on a smaller scale within the local body of Christ. So, first on Paul's list in the apostles, and the second was prophets. And this is true mainly because of the foundational ministry that both the apostles and the prophets fulfilled. To read more about that, I would encourage you to look into Ephesians 2 and verse 20 to see the vital roles that the apostles and the prophets served within the beginning of this this first century church. So, following their foundational roles were the teachers, those tasked with establishing the believers in faith. And you can see why a teaching ministry would be such a vital um, part of the vibrancy of a local church to continue to bring people along. The remaining gifts listed here were needed to build up the church or to help individual believers. So then, continuing on and closing out the passage in verse 29 and 30, Paul is essentially asking these rhetorical questions or these questions that obviously don't need answered. He's demanding no as the answer. No individual possesses all the gifts. And the implication is that the church cannot and will not be built on any one individual believer. The church is built on Jesus Christ, and him by his gracious spirit has gifted each of us with what we need to accomplish and find success in the local church. God has placed each one of us in his body, the church, and he has given us various gifts. So that being said, if Corinthian believers were to desire any particular gifts, it was to be the ones that did the most to build the church and to glorify God, which is what Paul concludes in verses 29 through 31. So what's the takeaway for us? The takeaway is this. Fill and find your role in the body of Christ by serving and serve according to your gifts. This isn't going to be a perfect process right out of the gate. You may stumble and bumble around and get involved in some things that maybe you weren't perfectly attuned to, but you'll never make a mistake by getting involved in the service of the King of Kings. And you will only continue to to develop and hone the spiritual gifting that God has given you. So just kind of to reinforce some things, how is the church like a human body? Well, there are many different parts, and each part is important. And the church functions best when all the parts are filling their roles. So I hope that this lesson has been helpful to you. There's some pretty fascinating um, uh, different uh, ways to learn more about your spiritual gifts. And there's going to be one that I'm going to add to this podcast. I'm actually going to put it in the description, but it is a link to a very helpful, what I think is a spiritual gifting survey. Uh, Some of these, like I said, can be kind of goofy. But this is a particular one that I found to be very helpful, very thorough, and may, if this is a brand new concept for you, help kind of narrow down amongst the gifting where you may find your strengths within the local church. And I hope that you'll find it as an encouraging part of the ministry that God has given you to further his kingdom and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you for joining us as we've studied through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I encourage you to join us next week as we continue our study here in 1 Corinthians. 